Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Back again with a brand new episode of Project Progress. Uh, in the f- in the next few episodes, I will judge myself on the four to five points that I had given myself for better progress, um, and we'll realign uh, how, what we've achieved till now, and then we're going to think of new exercises, new ways to achieve those if we haven't achieved them yet one more addition to this whole thing i want to have energy when i'm speaking sometimes i'm just dull and talk like a drone like this so where do you guys get your energy from some people have it natural they're always bubbling um with joy but not me i don't know why it is so today we're going to read a speech by Neville Chamberlain and this is the last speech of the era between the wars so it's between the World War One and World War Two so let's jump right into it first a little context of the speech this speech is titled A Hint of War. It is a speech to the House of Commons on 1st September 1939. Um, during the 1930s, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, 1869 40, uh, endeavored to appease the nations of Germany and Italy in order to prevent another war in Europe. As a result, Britain stood by as Hitler's troops annexed Austria and threatened to wage war to liberate the uh, Sudetenland uh, Germans in neighboring Czechoslovakia. In 1938, Chamberlain was twice snubbed by Hitler before meeting him in Munich in September and securing an understanding from Germany that it could occupy the Sudetenland as long as it respected the sovereignty of its Czech neighbor. Arriving at uh, Croydon Airport on 30th September 1938, Neville Chamberlain stood on the tarmac and spoke to the awaiting media, to the waiting medium. So, just jumping into the speech. I have in my hand a piece of paper signed by Mr. Hitler in which he assures us that there will be no war in Europe. The British Prime Minister was waving a statement that read, We, the German Führer and the Chancellor and the British Prime Minister have had a further meeting today and are agreed in recognizing that the question of Anglo-German relations is of the first importance for two countries and for Europe. We regard the agreement signed last night and the Anglo-German naval agreement as symbolic of the desire of our two peoples never to go to war with one another again. We are resolved that the method of consultation should be the method adopted to deal with any other questions that may concern our two countries and we are determined to continue our efforts to remove possible sources of difference and thus to contribute to assure the peace of Europe. Chamberlain then went to the Prime Minister's residence at 10 Downing Street and declared, My good friends, this is the second time in our history that there has come from Germany to Downing Street peace without honor. With honor. 
I believe it is peaceful for our time. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and now I recommend you go, you to go home and sleep quietly in your beds. Neville Chamberlain's peace to our time declaration proved prophetically short-lived. Within six months, German troops marched into Prague. By 1939, it was clear to most international observers that Hitler was on the path to war, and any further attempts to negotiate with Germany were fruitless. In August 1939, Hitler signed a non-aggression pact with his sworn enemies, Joseph Stalin, which guaranteed that Russia would not come to Poland's defense if attacked from the east. The Nazis then staged a fake raid on a German radio outpost along the German-Polish border as an excuse to invade Poland. Just hours after Hitler's troops and dive bombers had invaded Poland, Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain gave his speech to the House of Commons on 1st September 1939. I do not propose to say many words tonight. The time has come when action rather than speech is required. Eighteen months ago in this house, I prayed that the responsibility might not fall upon me to ask this country to accept the awful arbit arbitrament of war. I fear that I may not be able to avoid that responsibility, but at any rate, I cannot wish for conditions in which such a burden should fall upon me, in which I should feel clearer than I do today as to where my duty lies. No man can say that the government could not could have done more to try to keep open the way for an honorable and equitable settlement of the dispute between Germany and Poland, nor have we neglected any means of making it crystal clear to the German government that if they insisted on using force again in the manner in which they had used it in the past, we were resolved to oppose them by force. Now that all the relevant documents are being made public, we shall stand at the bar of history knowing that the responsibility for this terrible catastrophe lies on the shoulders of one man, the German Chancellor, who has not hesitated to plunge the world into misery in order to serve his own senseless ambitions. Only last night, the Polish ambassador did see the German Foreign Secretary, Herr von Ribbentrop. Once again, he expressed to him what indeed the Polish government had already said publicly that they were willing to negotiate with Germany about their disputes on an equal basis. What was the reply of the German government? The reply was that without another word, the German troops crossed the Polish frontier this morning and dawn, at dawn and are since reported to be bombing upon open towns. In these circumstances, there is only one course open to us. His Majesty's ambassador in Berlin and the French ambassador have been instructed to hand to the German government the following document. Early this morning, the German Chancellor issued a proclamation to the German army which indicated that he was about to attack Poland. Information which, was, which has reached His Majesty's government in the United Kingdom and the French government indicates that attacks upon Polish towns are proceeding. In these circumstances, it appears to the governments of the United Kingdom and France that by their action, the German government have created conditions, namely in the aggressive act of force against Poland, threatening the independence of Poland, which call for the implementation by the government of 
the united kingdom and france of the undertaking to poland to come to her assistance in accordingly to inform your excellency that unless the german government are prepared to give his majesty's government satisfactory assurances that the government german government has suspended all aggressive action against poland and are prepared promptly to withdraw their forces from polish territory his majesty's government in the united kingdom will without hesitation fulfill their obligations to poland if a reply to this last warning is unfavorable and i do not suggest that it is likely to be otherwise his majesty's ambassador is instructed to ask for his passports in that case we are ready yesterday we took further steps toward the completion of our defensive preparation this morning we ordered complete mobilization of the whole of the royal navy army and the royal air force we have also taken a number of other measures both at home and abroad which the house will not perhaps expect me to specify in detail briefly they present the final steps in accordance with prearranged plans these last uh, can be made put into force rapidly and are of such a nature that they can be deferred until war seems inevitable steps have also been taken under the powers conferred by the house last week to safeguard the position in regards to stocks of commodities of various kinds Th- the thoughts of many of us might at this point inevitably be turning back to 1914 and to a comparison of our position now with which with that which existed then how do we stand this time the answer is that all three services are ready and the situation is all directions is far more favorable and reassuring than in 1914 while behind the fighting services we have built up a vast organization of civil civil defense under our scheme of air raid precautions as regards the immediate manpower requirements the royal navy the army and the air force are in fortunate position of having almost as many men as they can conveniently handle at this moment there are however certain categories of service in which men are immediately required both for military and civil defense these will be announced in detail through the press and the bbc the main and most satisfactory point to observe is that there is today no need to make an appeal in a general way for recruits such as was by lord kishner 25 years ago that appeal has been anticipated by many months and the men are already available so much for the immediate present now we must look to the future it is essential in the face of the tremendous task which confronts us more especially in view of our past experiences in this matter to organize our manpower this time upon as method methodical equitable and economical a basis as possible we therefore propose immediately to introduce legislation directed to that end a bill will be laid before you uh, which for all practical purposes all amount to an expansion of the military training act under its operation all fit men between the ages of 18 and 41 will be rendered liable to military service if and when called upon it is not intended at the outset that any considerable number of men either uh, other than those already liable shall be called up and steps will be taken to ensure that the manpower essentially required by industry shall not be taken away there is one other allusion which i should like to make before i end my speech and that is to record my satisfaction of his majesty's government that throughout these last days of crisis signor mussolini 
also has been doing his best to reach a solution it now only remains for us to set our teeth and to enter upon the struggle with which we ourselves and earnestly endeavor to avoid with determination to see it through to the end we shall enter it with a clear conscience with the support of the dominions and the british empire and the moral approval of the greater part of the world we have no quarrel with the german people except that they allow themselves by the government uh, to be governed by a nazi government as long as that government exists and pursues the methods it has so persistently followed during the last 2 years there will be no peace in europe we shall merely pass from one crisis to another and see one country after another attacked by methods with which which have now become familiar to us in their sickening technique we are resolved that these methods must come to an end if out of the struggle we again reestablish in the world the rules of good faith and the renunciation of force why then even the sacrifices that will be entailed upon us will find their fullest justification just two days later on 3rd september neville chamberlain announced that a state of war existed between england and germany chamberlain remained prime minister until may 1940 when criticism of his wartime leadership in the face of hitler's invasion of norway and denmark saw him condemned by the boots and jeers of his own supporters in the house of common announcing his resignation he was replaced on 10th may 1940 by winston churchill neville chamberlain died suddenly from stomach cancer later that same year <clears throat> quite an interesting position um, i wish i had more knowledge of european politics and international politics the history of politics world over Uh, which i don't have um, i would have been able to understand the context of this speech even better but uh, for now from what i've read i like what i like about it that i might apply to my own life is um, preparation for war even though he was uh, he insisted on peace but uh, their military was well prepared uh for war time and this preparation we should do in our lives common lives in our corporate lives in our business lives mm, we should be prepared for the worst hope for the best but prepare for the worst and then uh, the way he brought out hitler uh, he gave him what he wanted and he had him sign a no war treaty but uh, is that a good approach and then later he was saving face by saying that uh, or more than saving face saving his own conscience that i did not rush into war rather i um, worked towards peace and and this is this is him talking to military families uh, that their men their their family members won't be subjected to mindless war so um, uh, so he did his best and he brought proof that uh, no we're not going towards war and then uh, this is a staged fake raid by the nazis um, this is so common uh, even today staged fake raids and staged um, uh, fake um, attacks uh today we have terrorist organizations a faceless nameless um element that everybody can blame um the solution to this i feel is um keeping 
we have video cameras, we have satellite images, and this information must be sought out. And um, the one who is being uh, accused of attacking should use all these media mediums and all these information channels to disprove their false claims. Uh, okay, so that's uh, that's about international politics. But uh, furthermore, mm, this man talks about determination of going to uh, uh, making earnest efforts for peace, and then later when they all fail, uh, going in with a strong determination into war. Um, my opinion uh, uh, is formed by a hadith, uh, uh, an approach that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that uh, show of power is a great deterrence, and um, one's army should always be prepared. The army should know that if we attack these people, we are going to get attacked back. We're going to face a strong resistance. So. Um, that's a very important thing to do uh, that's a very important thing to plan into our lives um, the weak get trampled upon so we have to make ourselves strong um, I, uh, uh, we might not be people who are making war decisions whether our country will go to war or not but we are handling crisis and aggression in our day-to-day -day lives and how to reduce that aggression is to is a show of power um, this is my opinion uh, without uh, really taking anybody's rights away without being a zalim uh, as per islamic definition we must show our power and um, i think uh, sometime soon i might read reread the book uh, the 48 laws of power to get an idea and reapply what it says to maintain my power. Really, we live in funny times. We assume that everybody is nice, but time and again that has been proven wrong. I may be a little pessimistic uh, right now because of the things happening around me, but um, we don't like to be trampled upon and we don't like none of us want to be pushed around and to stop that uh, we have to make ourselves strong uh, with this we'll end today's episode tomorrow we're going to see uh, what Winston Churchill had to say it's uh, basically a continuation of this um, uh, this whole scenario and we're also entering into a new era. This is from 1940 to 49, and it's called, it's titled War, Peace, and Freedom by the author. Um, I have had several recommendations of people, uh, from people about certain speeches. So uh, as and when they will come, I'll share those speeches with uh, those recommendations and why they have those speeches have been recommended to me. Mm, by whom till then uh, adios for now uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing adios right I'll have to see some pronunciation video for that but goodbye for now